And welcome back. So, as we come back to another day of downtime in Alkenstar, we do have our outlaws who are currently scattered a little bit. We have Saruk, who's off doing a holy quest of sorts, a calling. He's either answering a holy calling of a jaguar or tripping in a park. We're not sure. It can be two things. It can be both. Uh, Both is good. good. And the rest of you are kind of using uh, the Barrel and Bullet Saloon as your home base. And I guess yesterday you guys came to the sudden realization that Phoebe Dunsmith is not just a outlaw like she presented herself, but she actually fronts a secret organization of Alkenstar undercover CIA type agents or a suicide squad, if you prefer. And she has co-opted, conscripted you guys in using your previous crimes as leverage to force you to do her bidding, which didn't sit well with most of our outlaws. However, we have um, got our next mission and it involves a former professor of Anita, Vashon Gattleby, the inventor of a dangerous substance known as Pyronite. When he went to do an exhibition to blow the doors off a safe with a tiny drop of the stuff, he destroyed half the auditorium, nearly killed the audience, and ever since has recused himself to his house to figure out why he failed. But not everyone saw such a demonstration as a failure because Ambrose Mugland, his eyes are set on getting that formula one way or another. And so Phoebe has tasked you outlaws with getting Vashon back to the Bullet and Barrel Saloon before any of these other rival factions can get their hands on him. I think the first scene we see this morning is kind of a shot in the mid afternoon. And we see um, as the, the camera like fades in and we hear in the dark screen, the click clacking of the city and we fade in from that click clacking noise. And we see a giant airship sort of taking off from the field Um, And we can see there are dozens of airships docked here, uh, different various states of of, uh, size and wealth and eras, but airships nonetheless. And we see in the side of the frame looking up as one of the airships takes off a orcish man. It's it's Saruk. What do you think in Saruk? Honestly, I feel like given that they don't exactly have these in Matakali, now that there's a moment to breathe, I think if there's a place nearby, like a bench or something, where one could just sit and watch the proverbial planes take off, just hang out there for a couple hours. Yeah, there absolutely is. So this kind of area is called Pilot Square, and the shipyard itself is kind of protected and secured. But there are, like, parks and benches that kind of overlook it that people kind of come and watch the ships go. And I think in the sort of chaos and everyday normalty this is to most of the locals, it's fairly desolate and unused. So you find a nice park bench and almost find yourself by yourself watching these ships kind of take off. 
which I think is until it starts getting dark out. It's been a long time. We've been away from home for a long time. There are a lot of things that are very new. There are a lot of things that are not light. <laughs> People who see Saruk probably just see a man staring off into like the distance watching things go. Internally, it's more of a like continuing to process all of the everything since coming to Alkenstar. In that quiet space and in that sort of solitude, uh, a familiar voice sort of comes back to you and you kind of see sitting on the bench kind of perched in an awkward sort of bench sitting position is your, you know, the jaguar spirit who is just, you notice is just silent, just enjoying the moment with you, not talking to you, just peaceful reach down, scritch behind the ears. What was your name again? I'm sorry. I'm horrible with names. Uh, Kijak. Zurg. You've done... You've done well. You're a man of your word. One does what one can. How much do you know about what goes on in this city? I cannot say I know much. We mostly kept to the farms on the outland. It was where we protected those most vulnerable. But occasionally we'd come here. So nothing about the ruling body then? The family kept out of politics because the politics mostly didn't seem to care about the family. Indeed. There was one elected official, I believe, that represented the entirety of the farms, which is a lot to put on one person. But with 73 voices, the one was drowned out fairly easily. As it often is. I bring it up because the ruling body, rather than fix the problems within their city, they've, dare I say, conscripted myself and others. I get the sense you're going to meet soon. There's no, there's no fallback if we get arrested or hurt or da 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 da. That's on us. I don't know what to do with that. The tough tough line to walk I don't want to say no I I can do good in the space but it bothers me that someone who had the power to do good could snap their fingers and make it so or at least make it so in a more long term matter I, I imagine the short term would be messy but you said you stay out of politics I don't want to get you into it and scratch well, again Politics is not something I generally enjoy, but laws, laws are important. Are they not? When they serve the people that they're meant to, yes. And that's just it. That is the rub, so to speak, as you're rubbing the ears. That it is. Kazatul tells us we must obey the laws of the land. But to enforce an unjust law 
is a bigger sin than to break it. But how do we know what is unjust? I'll trust my instinct and my training. I have no problem following my own code if I'm put somewhere that Sirik lets it trail. I can see in your heart you mean to do right. But so many have lost their way following that path, following what they believe is the right way. And then it's not the right way, and then there are others who also follow it, and they come to conflict, and sort of begins to spin a circle. Just... The cycle continues. Surround yourself with others you can trust. If you can. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. We should get back. And stands up. Thank you, Kijak. I... Just thank you. And begins to turn and make his way back. Yep. And, and the last thing that Kijak says is just like, when you're ready to take your oath, I'll be here. Tonight. And uh, as you kind of turn and leave the park, there's sort of like the crossfade back to like the bullet and barrel saloon where uh, we find our trio enjoying a afternoon brunch. The, the lot of you guys are sort of sitting around the table. Um, we see some of the earliest clients are kind of drifting in. Um, many that for whatever reason don't seem to have a job to go to. They just wander in and spend their entire like afternoon here at the, the bar. And um, uh, Phoebe has already started, you know, pouring the drinks for them. And, and uh, you hear her sitting, gossiping with one of the guys and the guys is just going on like, yeah, someone needs to do something about those gosh dang clockworks in this city and then phoebe's like oh yeah yeah and tell me more and like leaning in and like pouring the drinks and this guy is just blabbing on and on about how much he hates clockworks and how time's coming there's a reckoning coming you'll see and uh she's just like smiling and nodding and and prodding him for more and more information so uh went out last night and did a little bit of the scouting there's Mm -hmm. a bit of a building overlooks uh, where we're supposed to go um gives you kind of a, a clean view i recommend y'all you know go take a look for yourself um you know couldn't couldn't sleep very well uh, typically don't sleep late or excuse me typically don't sleep at night and i look over to reficule uh, i pretend to uh, keep the sun in my eyes if you know what i mean all right getting up way too early these past few days if it's not for the hammering of metal, which is, I think, important, it's uh, the sun in the housekeeping coming in and pulling the blinds open. God, crack it down. Ah, oh, the hammering of metal you'll get used to. I sleep like a baby now. No matter what uh, mm. Annie's doing in that workshop. Hey, it's for the betterment of the group. Uh, never said we didn't appreciate it, Annie. How is Wybert doing now, by the way? Oh, look at him. He's pretty good. I'm still trying to figure out how to do that quick release for the call. But, um, yeah, he's good as new. I'm thinking, though, you know, I was thinking the past couple days. I'm at 
you know, no, I wanted to ask Phoebe because we all had disguises when we went and robbed the bank, but Waiba didn't. So I'm not sure if that's going to be a problem or. Well, I mean, it's clear you hadn't painted him yet. So by painting him, he'd be a completely different robot. Yeah, just make him a different color. Right. <laughs> Do you have any such a blue? Blue sounds good. Paint him black. Black? I was going to say red, but I mean, that way, when the blood splashes onto him from his, you know, <laughs> latest victim, it wouldn't be too, you know, distinguishable. You know, this is the most surprising thing about Wybert is that I never really invented him to kill anyone. Uh, he was just there to intimidate, but you live in, I guess you die and you learn. Is Anita telling the truth? <laughs> <laughs> I just, shall, shall we do a roll and see? How about how about you give me? I am telling the truth. Okay, you're telling the truth. Yeah, telling I'm telling the, the truth. truth. Okay, but anyways, make a secret perception check for Hal, and we'll see if Hal okay. believes that she's telling the truth. You, can, you know what? You can make it public. It's fine because. We already know she's telling the truth, so there's no meta knowledge here. It's just a <laughs> 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 <I'm> lying. <laughs> well, on a natural one, how you do not believe her one bit. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's really good that you got your robot back, and I really think maybe if we mix blue and purple and black, it'll be like the midnight sky, you know, like a purple black kind oh. of pearlescent. You know, I mean, Refi likes the. The evenings, I prefer the evenings. I'm not sure about Soroki. Seems kind of a uh, one that likes to get up early in the morning and take care of business. So, I mean, it's all right. He's going to throw a party. That's not terrible. I know. I heard, but you know what's very interesting? Like, there was always this rumor about Saruk that like he's just a good person in general. So maybe it is part of him to just like wake up in early in the morning. I don't know. I heard he was just. Uh, you know, a good law-abiding, well, now citizen, but, you know, before that, just don't hear good things about him. Shield marshals liked him. I think this moment, as you guys are are talking about Saruk, I think this is a good time for, like, the sort of, like, saloon doors to fly open and, like, the sort of, like, jangling. It sounds like spurs, but then when you look over the shoulder, you see it's actually a jangling of loose bits of plate mail and a bag being carried, and Saruk fills like the doorway like ducks under the door because nothing is quite built for your statue here um and you can see your sort of allies at one of the tables speak of the angel there he is Sarut bows very formally and clankily only good things you're talking about behind me no I've got it I've got it Wybert still helps (laughs) Sarut thanks big guy oh have a seat Indeed. What the hell is in the bag? I a gift from a friend. They were headed back home, and it's on extended loan. I figure if we're going to be shot, maybe I should just show you. Hang on. And goes back to bag, opens, withdraws the helmet, and sets it down on the table. Whoa! It's not even you. Does it have a visor? No. I'm just kidding. Would you like a smoke? 
Mm, I'm good. I actually, what I need is Cert picks up and tries to put on helmet, which is slightly too small. I need to let it out a little. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> no visor, but up comes the the tusks, and it leaves me free to, you know, Bite do as my people do some more. Exactly. I don't know. I think it look. Put it back on again. I think it looks. I think it, it's a kind of good look for you like that. I don't believe you. But I will indulge you. <laughs> good. Are you happy? Is this a moment of indulgence for you? I bet. I bet. I know. We could. Uh, you know, a bit of that bacon grease that we used on Wyvert before. I bet if we get you greased up enough, we could get that helmet on. If I need to put my armor on in a pinch, I'll remember to go to the kitchen. Always here to help, Tusks. Of course you are. You, uh, still having that party? You need some funds for more pickles or whatever you're planning to buy? Honestly, thinking about it, I don't know what to buy. I don't know what... What can people get in this city that isn't blow the entire budget, but isn't coasting through to next paycheck that can feed an army? The plan is get a bunch of that, take care of the people who took care of me, and then... I'm going to ask around about between here and there, see who knows what, see who's willing to share information about what we might be running into. Okay. Well, if you need me to tag along, I can come along with you. Yeah, sure. You know, honestly, we should probably get you your dog back. I've... I guess they're with Aldo now. I was plan is when you went and bought some people food, I was going to go buy some dog food, you know, kind of. So, self-serving. I can't help it, you know. As you do. I would say for the average Alkenstar person, there's probably not a much tier difference between like dog food and human food. I was about to say that actually. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it feels so. High quality fresh food is is more on the rare side here. Um, it, it exists, but it's usually reserved for more like the wealthy elite. Um, a lot of what you get is like breads and dried like grains and like trail mix type stuff. Um, although oddly. Here at the Bullet and Barrel Saloon, or sorry, the Barrel and Bullet Saloon, there seems to be quite a bit of this fresh fare. Uh, more than you're used to here in uh, in Smokeside, for sure. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe Phoebe will want to cater the party. I mean, we're already here. We don't have to go into town. We don't have you know, anything else to do. Sit around and wait. We can I'm ask sure her. Maybe Phoebe she's got some stuff. Love to learn more about us and the things we're up to and the people we associate with, so she can continue to hold that over our heads. I mean, I'm thinking that since we have like three days before we have to pick up fashion, maybe we could maybe like figure out something. Or theoretically, what about say we bop out to the wastes? find, oh, I don't know, lizards of unusual size, bag them, bring them home, grill them. Boy, boy. Now you're talking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It costs little to no money. It's a lot of food. It's a good workout. Win, win, win. We're leaving the city. No, not for long. Just long enough to go out, stretch our legs. Into the mana yeah. wastes. Right. Out of the city. Right. Yeah. You know, the safe walls of the city out into nature where there's going to be mushrooms that won't eat our brains. I mean, we stay away from the mushrooms for what we've learned that. If we can't we tell were. the color of the mushroom, we stay the hell away from it. 
literally in the city when those mushrooms came after us. Also that. You know that, right? I'm a little bit with Luffy here. I don't feel safe going out to going out into the mana wastes. Why not? We have a literal wasteland survival expert right I here. Just, I don't know what's outside in the mana wastes. I know what's in here. I know that if I make a left, there's going to be a bakery. If I make a right, there's like a shoe store that could fix the soles of my feet. I mean, before we got picked up. I was literally retrieving rare minerals and things. And he looks around at the group and giving them to Sheard Marshall. And before that, the engineers at the gunworks, right? That's how I made a little bit of my money. So probably stuff out there that you'd want to see. But we don't have to. I mean, I can't get enough lizard tails to feed a whole party. It'd take me a few days to do something like that. Few days sounds like a bit longer than what we have. This is true. We have three. Yeah, I already know a good route. I mean, if we need to find alternate routes, and maybe an escape route would be good. But that's probably best to do at night. Indeed, that's my opinion. Or we could like. I was trying to figure out how to say this without saying the actual action, but gather information (laughs) like about. I was trying to be creative, so that's why I paused there for a second. Could see what the word is on the street. Don't Thank worry, you, we're Ruffy. pretty streetwise. <laughs> I'm very tired. Well, I'll ask uh, Phoebe if she wants to pitch in and cater this party. You know, thinking about that, Saruk withdraws that beat-up map of the sewers and unfolds it. Does it go far enough looking at it that like it'll cover the escape route should things go upside down when we're coming back. So the map of the sewers you guys have that came from the uh, sort of knolls, it's mostly uh, paths like to and from um, Alkenstar into the uh, I, I want to call it the Mana Waste, but it's that old Ironside, which is like kind of half Mana Waste, half Alkenstar proper, right? It's like abandoned, slowly being rebuilt, but it's, it's kind of it's kind of outside the city proper. It's like half mana wasty, which is where you encounter all that weirdness. Um, so just kind of taking a minute and looking it over, you could have an escape route if you really needed to, uh, to find probably a sewer entrance close to the Ironside, and it would take you out of the city back to like old Ironside. But there's no sort of mapping or real... Um, thorough map of the entire sewer system of Alkenstar. So uh, it, it just looks like what the gnolls were using to get in and out of the city and kidnap people, basically. So it doesn't look like it would necessarily be useful for moving Gattleby across the city. But if you needed to make a quick exit out of the city in a pinch, it would probably be useful. As long as Never you're mind. on that like western side of Alkenstar. Mm-hmm. Also, am I right in remembering that Phoebe mentioned that someone else wanted to get Vashin? Do we know anything about them outside that it's just Mugland or Loveless? You did hear Angelique Loveless when you guys were making your escape in the sewers. She was talking to someone. You heard one half of a conversation where it sounded like they had forged a a um, arrest warrant for Gattleby. 
and she made it sound like they were going to pick him up the person said made it sound like, like on her side she said no that's too long you have four days or you have five days to get it done is what you heard from Angelique's mouth so it sounds like from what you know is Angelique and by extension potentially shield marshals right that's why it's partly why you kind of have this sort of short deadline Mm. well before we get into shit I would love to party first I figure what I have earned I can put back into the community and if I with everything else going on involving our current employment I don't know feels right to do a little bit of good I'm gonna. I'm walking over to Phoebe. Okay, so you get up and kind of make your way over to Phoebe. Uh, Phoebe is deep in conversation with this guy, like pouring him drinks, and you hear just kind of like, "So, uh, where can I find more information about this revolution?" As she's like prying this guy for information, as you kind of like meander over towards her, and she kind of shoots you like a slightly annoyed glance. She's like, "Excuse me, one minute," and she like moves over so you can kind of have your own private space to have a conversation with her and she's like can I get you something to drink? if you're in the middle of something I can come back Um, okay and she like goes right back to that person and leaves you standing there Mm -hmm. at the bar (laughs) awkwardly for just a minute and uh, eventually comes back to you after like two minutes and it's just like now you were saying we need uh, we need some food we'd like to know if you'd like to cater our friend Aldo's party that Saruk is going to throw. Like, you got any leftovers or anything you want to create? Make a little extra coin that we can take so we don't have to go run around the city and buy all this stuff from your competition. Interesting. How many people are we feeding? And what's your budget? Oh, turn back around. How many are going to be there, Saruk? As many as you want to. I, I don't know how many people live there. The plan was Aldo plus Floor plus whoever walks in plus us. Let's call it 20 people. Something like. Let's call it 20. So you, you turn back to, to Phoebe and Phoebe goes, you see like over like in the back carrying like crates of something is like a uh, it's another dwarven person that's kind of been hanging around, but not so much face to face with you guys. They're always just sort of in the background. And this, um, you've heard the name probably mentioned, and it, it's like Foss or Fossetier. And uh, Phoebe's like, Foss, uh, come over here for a second. And you see Foss like grumbles and like puts a crate of like something like leafy green in the back kitchen and comes out and just deadpan like looks. Yes. Uh, Hal here and then our friends, our guests, are looking to cater a party tonight for 20 people or so, right? I think we can. Yeah, you just pack it up and whatever you want, we'll carry it over there. Find the foods. We got anything in the back that we could potentially spare? Anything going to go bad soon? Or just went bad recently? Foss is like. Let me check. And like kind of leaves and goes into the back. And uh, Phoebe watches watches him go. Kind of looks back and says, Foss will hook you up. Don't worry. All right. And uh, 
about that other business. How are things going? Well, good. I made a memo out there last night and found a couple routes that are, at least to my eyes, reasonably safe. We're probably going to go out there after this party, uh, or maybe tomorrow. I don't know how uh, Anita's going to be doing after the party. Let's uh, hope she isn't into her cups. I don't think she is. She's too much, too bookish, right? Too much of a good student. We'll see. Maybe we'll go out later. I mean, that's what we need her for, right? She's the brains of the operation. Saruk's the... Yeah, but I don't want her, you know, carrying her over there to bash on. And he's like, what the hell y'all do to this young lady? So we'll see. Maybe I'll just t- tell Ref to keep an eye. Uh, maybe I'll tell Saruk to keep an eye on her. Well, I leave the details to you. Just uh, let's just hope we get to them before somebody else does. All right, so how much? Well, that's Foss's job. They'll be out in a minute. And uh, Phoebe goes back to... Uh, to I'll follow Foss. Yeah. Foss is kind of gone back into like the kitchen to like the administration, the back office. So do you really want to go back to like the employees section? Oh, yeah. I'll just follow him. I mean, <laughs> yeah. So you follow him back into the, uh, the administration. And you see as you go into the kitchen... There is a very well-stocked kitchen, and you can see there's just crates and crates of fresh food, all of them stamped on the side of the crates with, like, you know, City of Alkenstar, like, like, uh, seal, like the actual city seal on the side. And Foss is kind of going around, looks at you, looks you up and down. You, uh, I'm not going to eat any of that. I'm just going to carry it. So I'm going to show you. About 20 people. I'm just trying to, to take stock of our inventory, see what I can spare. It is coming up on the weekend after all. Yeah. Uh, and eventually they kind of go through. Uh, they find uh, two, like, one is like a crate of um, root vegetables, which are not super easy to get a hold of. Uh, the problem is it didn't work with the stew that they were trying to make so nobody here liked them so uh, they're willing to let it go for uh, a reasonable amount so enough to feed 20 people like this whole huge crate half price which is only looking at like one gold piece for the whole crate um, and in addition for another gold piece they're willing to let go a batch of Ustradi oysters like oysters fished out of the Ustradi river itself which technically is kind of like past their best buy date. Perfect. I'll, uh, all right, let's pile them all up. I'll take them out to the folks out there and we can not have to worry about going anywhere. And you got a small pony cake or something. Nothing too, nothing too harsh. Um, yeah, we can work something out, uh, for that because the, the alcohol here is sort of always flowing. Uh, there's no deal on that. It's still going to cost like a full amount for like a full keg. Probably looking at like th- three gold for the keg. All right. Sounds good. All right. Here you go. I mean, somebody still needs to cook the vegetables. Right now, you just have raw vegetables and raw oysters that are expired, but it's a good start. Anita said Saruk was a good cook. <laughs> and uh, as, as Foss is kind of getting it like sort of um, set up, uh, they kind of stop and ask like, is, is the stuff they say about you actually true? Depends on what they say. I've heard you 
prefer the mana waste to the streets of the city. I wouldn't say prefer. It's different where I get my livelihood from. So I go out and gather some things for people. They pay me a little coin, but not as much to keep a nice roof over my head as normal. But I mean, I like uh, I like the alone time so I can think think to myself think what I'm gonna do what about the the dangers out there aren't you scared no <laughs> stuff out there compared to where I was from it's not even worry about it they can't even see me half the time anyways there's like a little smile on their face like kind of a half smile and like a nod and they look kind of down like at their feet a little bit and they're like enjoy and then like kind of shuffles face in the clipboard um, back and then one last thing before that they kind of excuse themselves to the back because this is the kitchen and then from back here is a doorway that leads to like their personal bedroom slash office and they're just like kitchens employees only by the way and like through the door All right, bring it out when we're ready. And so, yeah, you secured meals for tonight. And this art I shared is uh, Fasatir. I, I really don't know how to say this name because it's a very interesting name. Fasir-Tur. It's like F-O-S-E-E-R. So Fasir-Tur. Fasir-Tur, I guess. It's an interesting name. And, uh... Fasirter is a uh, non-binary dwarf here at in uh, the Barrel Boys. Neat. I'll walk back to the group. I got uh, got some food, got some drink, got all taken care of. When I went back and uh, I'll motion to Refugio, when I went back to the fence, sold some of that uh, armor and bolos we got off them. You know, unscrupulous knolls in the graveyard. I mean, scrapyard. We, uh, that took care of it. So I, I took care of it. We're good for the party. About 20 people. If we have to get more, we'll get more from somewhere close by. Huh. Thank you. I appreciate that. You're going to cook it, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 I got it. All right. Those oysters. I don't know. All right, then. You just have to cook it real good. All right, Saruk. Mm. Well, I mean, I guess it's better than any any of the crabs. You really don't want to eat any crabs from from the Estradi. Any bottom feeder, really, you don't want to eat from that river. That's true. We tried it once before. I had really bad allergies to it. I didn't even know. I mean, unless you like the taste of people. Um, oh, there's people? I mean, what do you think they eat in the river? I don't fucking know, Rafi. I just know that, like... Why did you just... Never mind. I can't believe there's actually people. (laughs) Where do you think they throw all the bodies? Didn't we come dangerously close to throwing a body over into that river during an altercation not terribly long ago? I don't know, Revy. As much as I, as much as you and I go out and do like all the the stuff for friggin' what's his name again? The the fella that we worked for before, eh? Miko. Miko. Yeah. Thank you. 
I still don't know. I feel that I'm like very naive on these things. Um, wow. Does that make us, um, what do we call that? Like cannibals. But proxy. This is a bit semantics. Like, are you, you're eating the thing that ate the thing. Are you really eating the thing it ate? You are what you eat. So the crabs became the people. Everything returns to crab. <laughs> I've heard that. <laughs> <laughs> so we're actually having this party then. I guess so. Indeed. After which I'm planning on getting rid of some of the stuff we picked up between here and there. And There's probably some alchemical shop somewhere for the next time we find ourselves cornered as a giant protoplasm is consuming us so we don't die. I, I plan on hedging our bets a little bit before the next time. Right. So what's the angle? My angle is... On the one hand, I lived with those people for a while. It sucks. I I would like to do something to be helpful, and frankly, with all of the shit we're getting up to, I feel like I need to do something morally to right myself. With that in mind, I'm imagining almost all of them know more about Alkenstar than me by a wide margin, so I can ask around about people and places and things between here and or picking up Vashon, and theoretically I'll pick something up. But mostly the former. So you just want to talk to them? Not like that. I see where you're going with this. But also, yes. Huh. Do I believe him? Do you wanna... That is the million dollar question. Okay, why don't you roll a, uh, a secret perception check? I... Guess I have to decide if Sar- I, I think I know if Saruk's talking the truth. Mm. All right, blind GM roll, perception, and I got question marks. Yes, yes question the marks, best of all rolls. Mark, question marks. Um, I think you find nothing in Saruk's body language or words to make you doubt what he's saying. Interesting. Where I come from, it's kind of a thing. Someone gets a windfall of cash. You obviously put some back for yourself and you don't just like willy nilly spend it, but a little back towards the community. Rising tides raise all ships, you know? Not really, but uh, sure. Yeah. I dare say call it a lesson, but I'm not here to preach to you any more than I already have. I think the sort of thing that you've put up there too, which is like using this party as a good way to sort of get information from the locals is a way to go about this sort of like preparing for the, the escort mission as well. Like you can use this party as some of the downtime and sort of smooth with the people and see what, as uh, Nina would say, what information you can gather. <laughs> and that is a cool way to, to do that. Anita's just, like, looking intensely at this interaction between Refi and Saruk. So what time's the party again? I mean, we go there now, we start getting everything together relatively late, but I don't think people are going to mind. Well, we do have a bit of a bump that we have to worry about. Hal and I are still, you know, escapists from the prison. And we don't have the uh, disguise hats anymore. 
Yeah. I mean, that's why I was rec- recommending we go in the evening. So, Rick, you spent a decent amount of time with these people, right? Because you've been living at all those rooms for up to three months now. Uh, the people are pretty solid, and they're not friends of the Shield Marshals, per se. And you're pretty sure that in that sort of tight-knit community, no one's looking to, like, rat you out, especially as nice as you can treat those people, right? But uh, the real concern would be getting, like, there's a chance you would be spotted. So just minimize your time spent on the street. Once you're in the building, you're probably, you're probably good. Unless... You know, the party gets out of hand and the shield marshals come to break it up. Indeed. And none of those people are narcs. We'll be fine. Just, I don't know. Can we, is there something equivalent to a taxi service here? There is actually. Would I know? Okay. Yeah, there is definitely uh, like lots of public transportation for sure. Buses and things. There are private car services and taxis you can buy. Uh, typically more on the pricey side of things. Um, I think a, you're probably looking at from here to where you're going, which is not that far, you're looking at a base fare of like five silver plus whatever tips you would want to give. I mean, I'm down, but I think we should leave Wybert. They are rather conspicuous. I thought we were going to paint him red. <laughs> I don't think I'll have money to paint red. Oh, that's actually a good color, but not now. Maybe not today. I mean, I feel like red makes them stand out more. Why not something a little more on the, like, the cooler end of the spectrum? Your blacks, your blues, something that fades in. I'm just a little more worried because regardless of how I paint why, but his core is just going to glow blue. Mm. Mm-hmm. I like red. I know red suits you, Ruffy. So do we want to, at this point, sort of like crossfade fast forward to the party? Or do you guys want to tell me what you guys want to be doing? Is there anything else mechanically? I know mechanically Anita's spending this time working, right? So we assume in the background all day she's just working on mm-hmm. her alchemical formulas and stuff. And uh, potentially Saruk is also adjusting the uh, the armor to fit, you know? I've always wanted to drive a car dangerous chemicals mm-hmm. being poured at the table. <laughs> <laughs> right. Just in her lap in the moving taxi. <laughs> um, but I guess uh, for Hal and Reficule, are there any mechanical things, right? We do have this sort of overarching scouting job that you guys could put some time into and we can make some rolls for this half of the day at least if you'd like, unless there's something else mechanical you'd like to do. I would probably wait till the evening. Okay. And yeah, for the server to come back up. Right, right. I know you're you're definitely <laughs> looking to do it. I would definitely. probably uh see if Urshap's available. Okay. That's right, yeah. Uh Urshap is um kind of starting to get to like the tail end of their night cuz they are she's definitely one that stays up all night, like very nocturnal and uh so uh, because she's promised at this point, she has made time at the end of her day and at the start of your day for some training. So she is uh, more than willing to sort of step out back and work with you. That's cool. All right. So I think then we sort of do that sort of like crossfade to the apartment. And Saruk has probably gone on ahead to start cooking. I mean, I don't know. Are you. I don't know. You guys got the kitchen. You could probably use the kitchen, the bull and barrel. I want to know, though, what are you doing with this box of root vegetables and <laughs> oysters, Estradi oysters, 
Uh, what, what are you planning to, to Cooking do? Master Chef. Yeah. Your secret ingredient is oysters. <laughs> secret ingredient is food poisoning. <laughs> <laughs> well, mostly what I'm doing is I was the only person in the server. Then I heard the server was down and I refreshed it. Now I can't get in the server. So we're trying to bring it back up. There we go. I guess, I guess, I guess, I guess. Assuming the oysters are actually fit for humanoid consumption, of which I have some concerns. They're past the freshest date, but they don't smell rancid. You know, they don't smell. I mean, they're oysters. They probably smell bad anyways, but I, I'm i not going to food poison a whole party full of people. Like, you're in the clear. They're just past their prime. I'll remember that in four days when I'm making four <laughs> Oh, God. Other than that, I guess, like, if it's just a bunch of root vegetables and oysters, I think the easy answer is fry everything assuming the root vegetables are of the like potato variety yeah there's some carrots and some like potatoes and some weird sort of purple root like it looks like a carrot but it's very purple and it's very like weirdly spiraled but it tastes a little sweet mana waste corkscrew carrots got it <laughs> so yeah it's grill grill what shouldn't be fried fry the rest throw it all together and just very large stir fire stir fry thing and then just like presuming Aldo has well if, if it's being catered I'm hoping that the the folks in the bull and barrel will give us like utensils and plates and things and just like here is the big thing of food here is the big thing of alcohol y'all can figure it out yeah I mean if you want to borrow like utensils and silver and plates and take it as long as you promise to bring it back they're willing to rent it to you Bring your own spoon. <laughs> I mean, you're you're taking it to where people's houses are. They probably have their own like things. Although most people just that, that sad bachelor chow stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. I imagine it looks like a giant like paella pan with like all this like stuff kind of tossed into it, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. It's kind of cool. Okay, so I think um, I think what happens is we kind of crossfade to that sort of night, and interestingly enough, we find ourselves. Mm-hmm back like you know the the sort of like elevator door opens and the four of you minus Wybert this time are back in the same place that you first met Aldo's apartment here in the sort of smoke side of Alkenstar and um, there's that sort of walk jaunt down the hallway uh, which for you Saruk has been pretty commonplace but for everyone else this is sort of the first time you've been back here in months there is that sort of weird deja vu moment, I think. Um, but there's no hesitation on Saruk's part to, like, get the key out, unlock the door, and, like, sort of make the way into the apartment. And the rest of you kind of looking at each other outside this apartment. Is Aldo home? As I as I let myself into Aldo's home, is Aldo here? <laughs> sure. Uh, so you go, to, you go to check and see if you can, uh, if Aldo's home. Um, give me a perception check. We'll see what you see here at the apartment as you open the door. Alrighty. We jump to a map of it and Aldo's token is there. Surprising no one. <laughs> Hoggy dokey. Looks like a 20. The first thing you immediately know is like Sylvia, uh, the little pup, is like immediately like like running over to you, tail wagging, jumping up, like trying to like 
put her little paws up on your knees and uh, sort of wagging that tail and like sniffing is like really excited to see you. Um, and I think Hal kind of sees Syl for like the first time. But Syl at this moment looks like it's, you know, fixated on Saruk. Um, and beyond the sort of yapping of the dog, the sort of like, like the happy barking and the, the panting and the tail wagging and the like nail scratching on the floor, uh, you hear noise from the back of the apartment, like through the hallway into like where the bedroom area is. And um, it sounds like Aldo's here, but you hear the sounds of a struggle, like someone's in the middle of like a fight. Like a fist fight. God damn it, Eldo. <laughs> Not like this. <laughs> so it's just like, excuse me, dog, and then push and then on we go. Yeah. So you kind of like, uh, like push uh, Sills to the side and go towards that bedroom. And um, I think in that moment, there's like this sort of like Sill is like looking at you go off. The rest of you see Saruk do this. Um, and, and sort of Sill looks back. And I think there's just this moment where like Sill like makes eye contact with you, Hal. And you, you just see that sort of like ears go down and like the dog kind of like shrinks down a little bit and like looks at you. I'll call her over. Come on, girl. Dog noises. <laughs> dog noises. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Come on. Can you give me... Give me a nature check, but give me a plus two circumstance bonus because you have a history with the sill. And also for like uh, Anita and and Reficule, what are you guys doing? Because you see like something has caught Saruk Saruk's making his way towards the back of the apartment. You guys are still standing outside in the hallway awkwardly. Given the last time that me and Tuss were here, um, I'm just going to, you know, jacket back a little bit, hand near the pistol ready for anything that might happen. Okay. I go follow Saruk. Okay. So Anita pushes in to go follow Just curiosity yeah. getting the better of me. You can give me a perception check too, Anita, as you approach because you're going into the apartment. And how in this moment while all this is going on, the dog and you and you call her over, um, it, it looks like Syl is like kind of familiar but like a little scared and I think she sort of like sniffs sniffs and sort of like um, kind of scurries over a little bit to you and like kind of reaches her, her snout out and the minute she kind of smells you she like lights up her eyes get big her tail starts wagging and she like jumps up and she is like bounding up chest height to you trying to like be excited to see you again I'll growl a little bit get her under control <laughs> We're a little bark. All right, let's go see what they're doing. Come on. <laughs> Ruffigil, you're standing there watching Hal bark at a dog in the hallway. Okay, so, Saruk, you make your way back to where you hear the commotion and hear the scuffle. Um, and Anita, you hear it too. Like, as you approach, you hear that same sort of, like, it sounds like someone is, like, being slammed into the floor. There's a lot of, like... It sounds like a, a, a full-on fist fight, rumble, tuffs and tumble going on in the other room. And and Saruk, you're like to the door first. The door is not closed. It's like cracked open just like a little bit. Aldo, are you okay in there? Immediately, the tussling and the like noise like stops. 
and you just hear like uh, uh like a woman's voice like you want to do it somebody's here and then you hear like oh god one second one second don't never mind never mind never mind i'm not here we weren't here and just like spinning <laughs> finger goes back to door oh good for you mate good for you <laughs> yeah yeah but also we're not here to say that but good <laughs> He he's he opens the door to see you guys. He's got like a towel that's a little too small wrapped around him, uh, draped, and he's like look holding it with one hand. The door's open, looking at you guys confused. In the back, with like the blanket kind of half pulled over herself, you see Norma, the sort of oh. like uh, woman that you met in the prequel series, mm-hmm. uh, and she's in the bed, and you can see that she's like flushed red, looking like kind of embarrassed. And then Aldo is like, "Oh, Saruk, it's you." Yeah, sorry. I turns, ma'am. Uh, <laughs> go back to doing what you were doing. I'm just gonna do a thing. Gonna make a bunch of food. Be hungry. Tell everyone, and then just try to get away from what I've wanted <laughs> yeah, so to. Walks away, and then Aldo like kind of like smiles in your guys' direction and, and smiles at you, Anita. And you can see like Norma in the back, despite the fact that she's looking quite embarrassed. She's. You can tell she's got a smile on her face and she looks happy. And Aldo, at your request, nods and then closes the door. And then the sort of tussling, tumble fist fight continues in the other room. Oh, that was easy. I go into the bag of holding and pull out a pint of oil that I still have. <laughs> okay. And then I leave it on a desk somewhere. And then I just write down, for Norma, don't forget. <laughs> right. Especially on the joint. Okay, my mind went somewhere Excel, else for a second. Yeah, that, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> Good callback. Good callback, Nina. Good callback. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there's that like kind of tense moment that if, like you know diffuses, and you come back and so we can even see that like Hal is calmed down, like still, and then there's this nice reunion, and you guys are back here in the apartment, and uh, yeah. what's happening? Uh, well, do, I need to, do I need to get my gun out? I don't know how they would feel about that, so I declined to answer. You know, but someone does have their gun out. God damn it, Anita, why are you like this? If someone else has a gun out, I don't need my gun out. I'm a bit confused. No, and he's they using are his gun for having something intercourse. Right <laughs> oh. That's what's happening. Yeah, good for Aldo. Mm, so... Reficule just turns around and walks outside the apartment. <laughs> <laughs> you can hear you can hear them in the back. Like, yeah, they're they're definitely going at it in the back. But you can use this kitchen. You can start preparing the uh, the feast to come. And um, unless there's something else, I think you know we kind of have another crossfade as uh, the feast is ready. Yeah, you got something. I'd actually like to like elbow Refi a little bit and get him alone. Okay. Like maybe like in the couch or something. Yeah. I mean, he's still, you can also go in the hallway. If he doesn't. Oh, or yeah, you can yeah, wait yeah. for Aldo to finish his business. Speaking of which, actually, um, pretty soon after the party gets started, Refi probably actually sneaks away. Okay. So we can have this moment between Anita and Refi Kuhl before the party gets going at least. I think they're almost done. You can head in if you want to. Ah, it's all right. I, I, uh, I'll, I'll let them finish what they're doing there. 
I'm sure we're all we'll all hear it. But um, <laughs> no, the reason I just <laughs> you and I have haven't really like sat down and, as you say, shoot the crack since the whole prison thing. Not um, sure if that's the right. Go ahead. Yep. And I've uh, just seen like the apartment in the building. It's just. Do you regret it? Being here in the first place. Doing this whole assignment for Miko and all that crap. There's been a lot of things that have happened around me, to me, because of me. Hmm. I'm not sure if I regret anything, Annie. Even this whole thing, like, our lives are pretty much turned upside down. Well, I don't know about you, but it feels like it's turned upside down for me. I don't think my life's ever been right side up. You know, you're always talking code. We've been through a bunch of shit together already. And I covered for you for Muglin, so... I don't know if any other rumours that I've heard are true, but given the interaction I had with him when he visited me at the office, I think it's safe to say that I'm leaning towards the rumours maybe being right. At least that, Ruffy. Ruffy doesn't answer that last question, and then we go on to the party. Where you guys are living is actually kind of upscale for Smokeside. It's an apartment building. It, it you know it has multiple floors. It has a working elevator. Frills per se, but most of the people that live here are at least working class, but probably management or people that have been successful in their careers. So this is kind of where you know a lot of your uh, the people are kind of coming home from work exhausted. And this has been a thing that Saruk has done, I don't want to say weekly, but regularly, which is to throw, throw these sort of uh, bashes. Ooh, Aikuo Kitsune just described. Hello, and there, and thank you for your subscription. So this has been a common thing. People are just smelling the smells and started being like, oh, oh, it's, it's one of Saruk's parties, right? And immediately comes out, brings their, like, food, their plates and the utensils and, and gets the thing. And it, it just starts milling around. Some of them have like even like a portable music box that like plays music. People are kind of dancing in the hallways, dancing in the rooms, mingling. Uh, for Anita and Hal and Reficule, well, Reficule maybe has slipped away by this point, but for um, Anita and Hal, right, a lot of these people are kind of coming up um, and very interested in the new face and talking to you and just sort of feeling you guys out. I know part of what you guys want to do to use this party is to sort of gather information for what you might be coming up against, right? So at this point, mechanically, I mean, we're, we're, we can do a little bit of scenes here, but mechanically, uh, this could be where you guys can use your sort of gather information roles to see what you can get out of these people that maybe is going to help you. Because these are the li- this is like the lifeblood of Spokeside. These are the people that know the city, know know what's going on and might have some insight into helping you or some tips and tricks that you can use in your upcoming thing. So this is going to be, it'll be a, um, 
a society check and I can kind of put that into uh, the chat. If you're looking at like sort of smoothing information for people, you can roll a society check. Um, but for Reficule, while they're making those rolls real quick, you talked about potentially wanting to slip out pretty early in this party, right? Once things start getting going, I think Refi would take a pretty early exit. Uh, try to s- slip out. Yeah. Okay. Why don't you go ahead, roll me a stealth check, and we'll see if anybody in the group notices you try to slip away. All right. That's a 20. 20. Does anybody have a perception higher than 20? Zurich is too busy doing other things to notice. 14. Yeah. It sounds like, without issue, when you want to make your exit, Refugue, you are going to sort of slip out with nobody being the wiser, at least. Uh, yeah. Steve, if, if the 18 fails, uh, I'd like to use a hero point. Okay, that is true. And we actually didn't say it at the top of the round. We had an extra hero point carried over from our Rollsmith promo two weeks ago. Everyone has two hero points, I think, because Refugue used one of the bonus one last week. So I think everyone's at two hero points. Uh, that Your role is a success. It's not a failure. Okay, I'll keep it. It's not a critical success, but it is a success. Okay, that's okay. okay. So uh, with Anita and Reficule, or sorry, Anita and Saruk both make successes. You've both gathered some information and earned one preparation point for the, uh, the mission. Each of you individually are at one, Collectively, as a group, you guys are at three, so you sort of unlocked a nugget of information, which I'll tell you in a minute. And how are you? Are you smoozing with people too, or are you going to make a, a gather information check? No, just enjoying the party. He's the introvert at the party, playing the dog with my dog. <laughs> Not around any of people. Course. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're. You've kind of even during during this party, you've sequestered yourself with Sil. Like occasionally, the p- kind of people come over to you and say, "Like, oh hi, you know, my name is so and so," and they're kind of like introducing themselves for you. How do you like? Are you just like cold to them? Are you like introverted? Or how does how does Hal handle the constant pressure of people coming up to talk? I think Hal would probably be sitting in the corner with a dog in front of him, so it takes them a little bit to get to him, and they'd walk up and say, "Hey," and he just like tip his hat, and then go back to playing with the dog. Okay. So, um, Saruk and Anita, um, some of the information that you guys sort of gathered during this, Saruk, you hear um, one person is complaining about a gang in the neighborhood that has been sort of stepping up their activity recently, and and they basically say that another one of their shipments were lost this week thanks to those bloody powder powder keg punks. They're out of control. And you know what? They didn't even steal our shipment. I can understand stealing it for profit, but they just blew it up for fun. What kind of miscreants are they anyways? Did you know? I've heard they snort black powder, like directly. And uh, you hear um, Anita, uh, one of the people is like complaining. She's like, oh, the shield marshals. They shut down my shop again. I don't even sell anything edible. I don't see why rats are such a problem. Rats? Yeah. Is that just from like one person? That's just like collectively. Like 
mechanically, like over the course of this party, you earned one tidbit of information. And that sort of tidbit you learned, in addition to the preparation point you earned, is that little juicy nugget of possibly relevant or possibly just random gossip. Would Anita kind of like figure out a pattern amongst these businesses or were they just random businesses that the shield marshals would close down? Oh, I see. You're trying to see if there's some sort of like... Like a pattern? Right. That's an interesting... uh, That's an interesting thought. Why don't Anita... Why don't you give me a perception check there and we'll see what you can puzzle together. Do I do it publicly or... You can do it private. Okay, private. Mary Chrysler. I would like to use a hero point for this one. Okay, if you want to use a hero point, you can use a hero Mary point. Mary Chrysler! Happy Pride. Eh, Mary Pride. Mary Pride. <laughs> oh, you saw the roll. That's not even private. That's just... That's not even secret. That's just... You said private. Oh, secret <laughs> private. Uh, uh, anyways, uh, you rack your brain. Um, as far as you can come up with and piece together, it's just... It's just random, and it, it you, you're immediately even worried, like, oh, maybe they're just the show marshal is just shaking people down, right? Like, oh, you got to shut down unless you pay us your protection money or make us look the other way. But no, it sounds like legit. The shield marshals are just enforcing strict health code violations that the or that the city has strict health code laws, and the shield marshals are just enforcing them willy nilly. Okay. So I think around this time and, you know, the, the night goes on and the party's going and these people are, are having a great time. Unless you tell me otherwise, this isn't a Project X situation where things gets out of hand, doesn't devolve into, like, debauchery. Maybe maybe at one point Aldo and Norma, Norma have to come into the room where, like, Hal and, and Sylvia are in the corner and Hal has to leave. They need to practice their... Does does he he leave, leave, yeah, does he leave? <laughs> <laughs> Are we just judging? Jeez. <laughs> Literally used to sleep in the alley behind the brothel. All right, don't look. Hat and Sylvia and watch him. Got it. Still don't look. So, Reficule, while this thing starts getting under, under, under swing and people are going and, uh, you know, you've met a few people, you find a moment to slip away unnoticed from the rest of your companions and the rest of the party. What is Reficule looking to do? I'm uh, just feeling a bit uncomfortable and out of place at the moment. Thinking about the past a little bit. and He goes and slips out of the apartment first and goes and actually starts to scout the, the same routes that Hal was talking about a bit, just to scout it a little bit more. Uh, so in this case, you're not doing a sort of diplomacy check. You're not doing a, or sorry, a uh, society check or diplomacy to, to chat with people. You're just scouting, right? And how how would, did Hal tell us that he scouted the route from above the rooftops, correct? Yeah, I think that's what he would have said, yeah. So Refi would take the same route, but check it out from the ground eye level. Perfect. Just so, trying to sneak it around and skulk his way. Yep. This can be a perception check or a survival check, or if you want to flavor it as a different kind of check, you tell me. I was just trying to go around kind of unseen and look around. So you want to, do you want to make a stealth check? I think, if, is that what, I think that's feasible. I mean, in this case, right. Uh, it's not even just like stealth check as in you're trying to sneak around, but like 
you're actually trying to find the sneakiest ways through the city. I, I, I am totally on board with, with using a stealth activity. All right. Do you want that uh, public roll? You can make it public. That's fine. That's a 25. 25. That's actually a critical success. So you've managed to secure two preparation points for you. That's five for the group total. And mechanically what this means is if the need arises, you're going to have some good sneaky ways through situations because you've scouted out the sort of uh, the past. And that's what these preparation points do. But you've, you've so far unlocked two sort of bonus informations, one for hitting two preparation points as a group and one for hitting four. So I'll just tell you kind of what you've picked up as a group. Um, and we'll just assume you guys figure this out collectively. So one at two preparation points, you actually stand outside Gattleby's house Ruffy kill and you're kind of looking and just got eyes on it um just looking to see you know a sneaky way there sneaky way away from it keeping eyes make sure that nobody seems to be eyes on it and you do notice like a couple of sketchy people that kind of come by the same people that have kind of walked by a few times you know which makes you think that you guys might not be the only ones with eyes on him but in his house he's got a house that's set back from the road he's got an overgrown yard full of some kind of sticky bushy flowers and there's a small shed on his lawn a little bit away from the house and his whole fence his whole property has been enclosed in chicken wire fencing like razor sharp chicken wire to keep people out of the house and there's like a fence in the front that's like shut and it's got like a giant sort of um not a padlock but like a big thick chain that's wrapped around it with a bunch of signs that say like keep out no solicitors no like trespassing essentially like step onto my property at your own risk sort of deals that makes you kind of immediately think he's probably spent a lot of time chasing people off his property that he doesn't want to be there but as you look at as you look at these plants, if you'd like, you could give me a sort of nature or recall a na- recall knowledge nature check or a recall knowledge crafting check to know more about them. And anyone can do this. It's not related to just refugee because this is a sort of group effort. So anyone that would like to give me either a nature check or crafting check, recall knowledge, I'll tell you if you might know a little bit about these plants. Uh, public role? Uh, it's fine, yeah. Okay, okay. So, Reficule, you critically failed this check, I'll just tell you outright. So, you look at these and you just say the plants are just generic, boring plants. You've seen more dangerous fungus in the scrapyard. There's nothing to worry about, right? Um, and, and so, like, from a nature point of view, you're like, no, no, no. Uh, for Saruk and Hal and Anita, who all did crafting checks, immediately recognize the description of the plant as being sedum, which is a sticky, bushy flower plant that is highly, highly poisonous if you were to touch it. So his yard is overgrown with these poisonous plants. And if you were to stray off the path and into the, like, just cross his lawn directly, you'd probably have to contest with the poisonous thorny plant. And as you also know, you could harvest these plants and make your own sort of sedum sedum poison, which you can do to uh, make a poison that you would like to use out of it. 
this is like a contact poison. You basically make a fortitude save, and if you fail, it makes you sickened, and you can't reduce the sickening condition while you're affected by the uh, the poison. And if it and if it advances too far, you get very clumsy and fall over yourself. So it's a good poison, but don't go in the bushes. Number two, at four preparation points, I think maybe back at the party, you guys hear someone that knows what the yeast of all brewery is all about, right? It's been out of business. Oh, that yeast of all brewery. Yeah, yeah, I know all about it. It went out of business about two years back or so, maybe a little longer. They had great craft beer selection and great brews, but I I guess, you know, the, the, the lady that ran it, she didn't have much business sense. Uh, next thing you know, it went belly up and she boarded it. And it's, I believe it's up for auction in a month or two. And uh, Ruficule in scouting it out too. It looks like you see too, right? It's been abandoned for a while. All the windows are boarded up from the inside and just nailed over. Uh, the doors, you just do a kind of a quick cursory glance and the doors are definitely locked. Um, and there doesn't appear to be a way in without some more nefarious acts. And you could theoretically scout it out, but you find like where it is and what it looks like. It just looks like an old abandoned building. Actually, while you're there, give me a perception check, Rafael. A secret perception check. Alright. Okay. Yeah, it's it seems abandoned. It seems quiet on the inside. You can't see in because all the windows are boarded up. The only kind of chant thing you can see is like through the front door. There's like a double glass, and there's one tiny strip where uh, you can see the boards are shifted, and you can kind of see in. Uh, but it's all quiet in there. And could I use a hero point on that? Sure, give me a hero point. Spend those rollsmith hero points. Okay. Uh, using your hero point does not change the information you gather. Whether that means good or bad, I don't know. So I think uh, you kind of do that, and we kind of float back towards the party, and there's a point when Aldo had kind of comes over to, like, Anita and Saruk, um, and he's like, oh, is, is Hal still around here? I, I just, I have somebody that you guys, this, this is Amos, and I kind of looks behind him, and you see an older human male at least in his mid fifties, um, his face worn that hard work look of a factory worker, somebody that's worked a physical job his whole life. Um, the right side of his head is like horribly burned enough to where his scalp has a sear mark where the hair does not regrow. And his right eye is kind of half swollen where it looks like maybe it was caught in that like sort of explosion. And you can see he takes his hat off, when he goes to meet you, Anita, which is why the only chance you see for the like sort of burn scalp as he kind of like does a very formal, like sort of bow and kisses your hand and like shakes Saruk's hand before he sees your eyes, like looking at his like sort of burned head and like immediately like puts the hat like over his head. Oh no, no, don't be ashamed of it. I've seen a bunch actually. I, it's, I just did not want to be untoward in the company of such a fine young woman. Aldo tells me a lot about you. He speaks about you a lot these last few months. Aldo? Yeah. Oh, 
About what? I, I told him you're like a great sort of uh, a student over at the college, right? And uh, uh-huh. and you know this one here, he's he looks at Saruk. He's like he's like a rare beacon of honor in like a city of filth. He he took me under his wing when nobody would care and and made sure that I was safe. Yeah, uh, Saruk kept us from killing him. <laughs> That is factually correct. <laughs> and like, you can see like from all those perspectives, that's not how it went. He didn't realize his life was really that close to being on the line. So when you say this, you can see a little bit of worry on his eyes. Um, uh, but Aldo's like, yes. Yeah, so uh, Amos here, he's sort of the, the people's leader, so to speak, of the, uh, the United Alkenstar workers. Surely you've heard of it. I haven't, but I like where you're going. Go on. Aldo, please, you're, you're too much. No, no, no. Listen. I come from a very rough life. I don't have the luxury of using my brain at the university or the physical specimen to, you know, use my muscles to maybe protect the innocent emotions towards Aldo. All I've got is a strong work ethic and a desire for this city to be more than it is. What did you have in mind? Well, we, we've been demonstrating a lot recently. We are working towards creating the first, what we're calling, we need a good catchy name like a unionization effort or perhaps a I don't know it's going to be like a union of workers collectively bargaining for better workers rights we need a catchy name for that so far we're calling ourselves UAW the United Alkenstar <laughs> you know what we want is very simple we want that our workers should be able to form these unions placeholder name and ultimately, we need representation on the city council. The city council lets the guilds and the people who own these companies in on the decision-making process. But why not the workers, the people who are the lifeblood of this city? The workers should share in the ownership and directly profit in accordance with the work that they put out. The imbalance of wealth in the city are, is just worse than it's ever been. And I'm sure you've seen it, or maybe you haven't. A smart woman like yourself surely must know the cause of this unbalance, right? You know it. Maybe you're afraid to say it out loud, but we all know what the problem is. How far are you and your group in terms of finding someone in the council that would heed or listen to you? Oh, I mean, we have plenty of allies in high places. They can't ignore us forever. Uh, last week, we shut down the bridge across the Estrade for a whole day. They surely saw that. Aldo likes to say that I'm like the face of the, 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 the group, but that couldn't be further from the truth. I have no personal aspirations. I just want what's best for this city. I, I wish I had more of an ear to bend somewhere in Alpen. Sorry, I would happily do it for you. I... Mr. fishes in his pocket, withdraws a gold, flips it over to him. Thank you. That should at least help buy things for signs or whatever it is you need. If the least I can do is help bankroll it. 
that's this is wonderful. Like this, every little bit helps. I mean, we're going to go up against some of the deepest pockets in the city. Fortunately for us, it's not gold that sways the votes. It's the will of the people. And if we continue our demonstrations, they will listen. Indeed. Maybe we can see you down at one of our marches. We have a march coming up in what was it, Aldo? Uh, and I was like, oh, in three days. Yes, yes, three days. We're marching. Uh, on, we're marching on Alkenstar Castle. We're starting in Smokeside, and we're going all the way to where the politicians can't ignore us. But really, all the way to the top, huh? Got us. Got us. Dream big to make change. This is true. Well, in three days, the. My friends and I will be spoken for. We have a thing we need to do. I I don't think I can make that one, unfortunately. But if I can swing by later, I, I'll stop in. Turns to Aldo. I'll stop in with you. I, I'll pick up everything from there. And then from there, later on, as long as I'm in Alcanzar, just come find me. Listen, I won't presume to come and find you directly, but if you would like to find your way to one of our meetings, maybe get some of our literature, be more than welcome to introduce you to interesting people. Yeah, sure. Do you have any on you? You know, I came for a party. I didn't come for prepared for a sort of uh, sermon. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everyone. I just really, Aldo said, you were the people to know. And I just wanted to introduce myself. Of course, of course. And don't apologize. It's important. It's You have these gatherings partially to put off steam and Partially, so these conversations can be had. If you're coming home, and then what? You have to make food for yourself and your family. You have 15 minutes of free time. Then you have to pass out and do it all over again. You can't organize under those conditions. Well, that's only if we're lucky. The problem is most of these people don't have jobs anymore. I'm sure you've seen it. People on the streets, people not able to make ends meet. So long as these... So long as these clockworks continue to displace our jobs, we're in trouble. Progress, they say, but progress at what cost? Progress motivated by the elites in a world where we can automate most of the things that you presently do in order to have the right to exist. Theoretically, that gives everyone the time to do whatever it is they want with their time and their lifespan. It shouldn't impede your ability to feed yourself. Hell, it should make it easier. Right? And that's... You get it. I know you get it. And that's that's the future we hope to see here in Alkenstar. How'd you get that injury? Were you working at the factory? Blunt, aren't we? Yes, I. It's fine, Aldo. Uh, yes, actually, uh, I was working. Uh, we had a fuel line, uh, or not a fuel line, a sort of liquid metal injection when we were building these sort of clockwork machineries, and uh, the old person that used to manage the uh, twisting the gauge and opening and closing the flow. Once you know, they replaced one of my good buddies with one of them clockwork machines. A little bit of impurity, debris got in the line, clogged. Our, my clockwork buddy, our new future of progress, was unable to recognize the signs and shut it down. The pipe burst, and I was left with this. I'm sorry, that's... I'm just sorry. 
Thank you. But it was a long time ago, and it may have colored my opinion of these things. And I'm not saying they don't have a place, but unchecked progress for the sake of nothing more than progress, it hurts the little man like me, Aldo. Maybe not the rich or the wealthy or the ones who build these machines up in Blythear. And his eyes like kind of like linger on you a little bit, Anita. You guys are so busy thinking whether or not you could, you don't stop to think if you should. I mean, again, that seems like a bit of a stretch. You, in fact, should. It's just the manner of execution. That's that's what we should be mad at here, not the fact that it exists. It's going to exist regardless. Someone is going to pay someone like Anita or Anita's peers to, hey, can you fix this problem? Hey, can you help me run my business and not have to pay someone in the process? Like, that's going to happen. If a job can be done by a human in a non-dangerous capacity, it should remain a job for a human. Let the clockworks do the dangerous jobs. Let the clockworks do the stuff that people would die doing. Don't take a job. Don't take a job away from someone that has a mouth to feed at home. That is certainly fair. Given that literally you rely on those resources, it's the problem is not that. The problem is that you must do the thing to make the money. But that's an entirely different march, I feel like. Yes. Well, we got to pick the battles we can start because if the workers saw a little bit of that money themselves... Maybe feeding mouths wouldn't be such a problem around here. Indeed. Anyways, I'm sorry to put a damper on the party. Please continue. Uh, and Aldo, by the way, in the meantime, has fished out his like crumpled up flyer that he's handed over to you, Saruk. He's just got like a pocket full of them. And it's just like, you know, United Alkenstar workers, like we demand, like it, it has their sort of like three demands that, that he's kind of laid out, right? The workers should be allowed to form unions. The clockwork should be limited in scope. And the factory should be run by the workers, not the wealthy, and share in ownership. It's kind of their three platform planks that they're pushing for. Thank you. I'll fold it up, pocket it. That was interesting. So goes the March of Progress. You think they'll get anywhere? Hmm. You know, I know everyone has reservations when it comes to the Duchess, but like, of course I support people from the spoke side, but, but they don't understand that, you know, they think that progress is there to threaten their livelihood, when actually progress can be there to inspire something greater. I understand. I... It's been a while, uh, by a while, I mean a couple thousand years, but originally my kind came from underneath the surface. We were driven up. It, it's a long story. The short end of that story is that when Matakali was founded, we no longer have to fight to exist. We no longer have to contend with our neighbors or the wilderness or anything else to continue to be ourselves. And because of that, I don't think I've told you this, my father is an art teacher. 500 years ago, my father probably would have been stabbed in the chest by a charaka. You don't... 
short answer is reincarnated chimpanzee. Don't don't worry about it. It's tangential, but I understand what you mean, and I'm with you. It's just it's a matter of you want to do a thing. You put the thing here, everything else then has to be altered. But if we aren't moving all of the pieces at the same time, maybe for you the best way to frame this is to say that too many gears are sticking. Mm. From there, the whole machine falls apart. Thank you for wording it that way, because I wouldn't have understood it right away. Analogies are useful for a lot of things. Yeah, I just, I hope that people here in the smoke side, even my father, even Kojak, is so afraid of progress because uh, who isn't afraid of change? But like I said, you need progress to to have a different perspective on a lot of other things. Yeah, you do. You just need progress to not be wielded like a cudgel. Mm -hmm. I don't know. If time permits, I'm probably going to drop in on some of their meetings and see what's going on. I hope I don't have to stay here long, but while I'm here, it's... This feels... This feels very huge, though, Saruk. It's dealing with the politics of Alkenstar. Yeah. I mean, I'm not planning on running for any kind of elected position or anything like that, but I... Maybe this is a sign of privilege, but I come from somewhere where it works the other way, and it works successfully the other way. I I feel I should be there. I think my voice could be helpful. Mm. You know, assuming that we aren't... What? Dead? I heard something about being blown up in the streets by... What were they? The powder keg punks? I don't... Some gang somewhere have been doing a lot of things that are probably going to get in the way. Honestly, somewhere before the deadline, I think we might consider having a conversation with them. Granted, that conversation probably ends in violence, but it's better that, I think, than we are escorting your colleague back and then suddenly the world is exploding around us. I would rather have that entanglement on our own terms. We'll pin it and discuss it with everyone else. Where's, where is everyone else? Oh, Howl is with Syl, and Refi is... Hmm. I assume this just isn't his thing. I look around for Refi. Hey, you take a minute looking through the party and, and seeing anyone seen him. No, no signs of Refi. Hmm. You think we ought to track him down, or...? No, we... He probably needs some time to think. It's alright, I know where he is. He should be yeah. safe. Mm-hmm. Where is he? He could tell you. It's something that I... I can't say. It's not my place to tell you, Zaruk. Mm-hmm, fair. I'll leave him to it then. I'm sure we will find him first thing in the evening drinking coffee tomorrow. Oh, that's true! And then they'll complain about not. They'll complain about waking up early again, when it's entirely their fault because they they didn't really sleep at night. Kind of like Later. what we're doing right now. Yeah, a regimented sleep schedule is certainly helpful. I usually I'm up before the sun doing push-ups outside. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Called it.
I'd, I'd love to say I'm surprised, but I'm not really surprised. My entire life has been very laid out for me. I, when you're born into a very set up, I wouldn't call my family prestigious strictly, but like, here's the plan. You're going to go get a formal education somewhere. You are going to you get the routine very fast. So it's get up, prayers, work out, do what you need to do, eat, sleep go again sometimes I I think that my mind would benefit a lot from that type of rigidity and then I also realized that my mind just goes so fast that some but I couldn't even keep track of it sometimes so I think it's it's kind of actually convenient for me to be in a I think it's actually pretty convenient for me to be in a situation where there's just a little bit of order but it's mostly like chaos because it reflects what's inside this noggin for, for a while as, as smart as I am I can people <laughs> people actually sometimes think that I'm pretty daft it's funny when you process things slightly different than everyone else you are suddenly not intelligent I, <laughs> so I told you that my sister is a tiefling right Mm-hmm. When she was really small, a lot of it was, we're going to run, she was, I say rambunctious. That's a very light term for it. There were enough systems in place that she's since learned to balance it in her life, but oh man. Honestly, thinking about it, sort of like quickly looks down, scans himself. The amount of abyssal radiation one gets. Dad was an art teacher. My mother spent a lot of her time in the area around. I won't bore you with the geography. Uh, she went out and found bad things, and then she made sure they didn't do bad things to people who didn't deserve them. And you get too close to things, the radiation gets in your DNA, and so it was. There are a. Honestly, I don't know more tieflings than I know just people like me, but there's a, a startling amount. Of tieflings? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Specifically those who, I think the term in most of the world is pitborn. I'm, I don't know. I call them whatever they call themselves. And typically if I'm cooking for them, I prepare their meat slightly more blue rare, but that is what that is. cook. Yes, of course. That's part of the, you're going to learn to take care of yourself and have this system to do this, do this, do this. Includes how can you feed yourself. So I'm not, uh, dare I say, feeding myself on oysters of questionable... I'm just going to leave that one there. And stale pickles for my whole life. But he's vomiting in the corner, and then on top of the pile, it's like a mix of all the uh, the ale you guys brought, and like a single, like undigested oyster, just like floating on top of the the disgusting pile. I'm going to put that one up to overindulging and keep them <laughs> out of my line of sight. You know, I know you and Rafi like argue a lot, but at the same time, I don't know. What do you mean? I get a bit of wisdom from you and sometimes sometimes I know Rafi looks to me to, to, to figure out maybe if if something is right or wrong but even I don't know what's right or wrong sometimes so I'm not really the best person to ask so maybe 
you can take that place. But he's still gonna be my best friend. And then you can take the place of deciding if something's right or wrong for him. The truth between right or wrong is usually it lands somewhere gray and in the middle, and it is a very, very long and ongoing conversation. But I mean, yeah, if he asks me, I it was bad at first. I don't want to come off as pushy, honestly, because I think it would push him into worse things. I don't... I hesitate to question what the man has been through in his life. It is obvious there's a lot of suffering there. I think while you guys are having this conversation, we hear you guys talking, but we're cut to like Refecule kind of wandering the streets, doing a scouting in the dark at night by himself, like, you know, like hat on walking around. You want to say something? Yeah, good. Uh, actually, I would have eventually after my scouting was over, I almost subconsciously have made my way hellside, and I'm actually at Alkin Falls. Okay. Looking at, seemingly looking at the screw, but actually probably looking past towards the capital district. Yeah. And they're actually, this is a perfect place for this. So the screw is kind of like a tourist trap. It's kind of like the Niagara Falls of this place. They've built an outlook for the tourists to kind of come and sit and watch the falls up and down and the ships and all of that. Um, this time of night, it's beautiful, but but like empty, right? And so you probably be there. Oh, you wouldn't be there? No, I, I would know okay. a spot, Hellside. Uh, probably like from the actual because like this overlook is kind of like right above Hellside, but you're down in no, the like, real Hellside. Hellside. Oh, you're in the I'd real probably, Hellside. Okay. Yeah, I've actually made my way to Hellside. I'd probably know probably in a. An old, like an abandoned building with that's uh, kind of rotted out, but still has a nice, good ledge mm-hmm. that I could sit and de- uh, you know okay. hang off of and look out. Yeah, so Hellside is this sort of part of town where they've built wooden structures haphazardly into the cliffside, down the fifty foot falls all the way to the water level, and it's this town kind of of sort of outcasts that don't really fit in the city that have kind of made their home here and made their living farming oysters out of the Ostradi and also doing trade with the ships that come in through here. So there's absolutely places that you could kind of sit there, dangle your feet over the edge of the, uh, uh probably like a, you know, abandoned burned out building. That's a bit of a sketchy ledge to get to that. Most people <laughs> around a corner of a, a rocky outposting, you know? Yeah. One of the spots I found when I was a little, uh, Little urchin. Okay. And we see Refugio by himself in this sort of very different setting than you guys are having this conversation about Refugio back in the, the party. So you guys are still having that conversation, but this is what we see happening as you guys are talking about him. Yeah, you just need to give him a little bit of time. I mean, even I don't know what's, go- what's going on in that thicket it is sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I guess I don't know how to approach it. I So I guess we never had this conversation that night, you know, the the one in which you were arrested to put it bluntly. I I don't know if he told you. I don't The man I was looking for. We got a tip that we could find him when we did. There was a effigy maybe is the best word. The orcish word for demon, and what looked like if you take 
someone built like me and someone dressed like Revy with the eye patch and the hat. I don't know what to intuit it. I I question the attire on more than one occasion. I'm not going to bring it up. I don't I don't know what will happen if I do, but I also don't know how to approach him. Mm. Oh, I know. Give him some candy. <laughs> Fair. No, Got really, it. he loves sweets. If you can find like a nice, maybe like jar of chalky, and then serve it with like a bit of whiskey. Very well. Next one of these we do, I will make sure there is a copious amount of candy. Yeah. You know, maybe only won't run off. With all the stuff that he wears, there's always like little pockets, and then in those little po- pockets is like a lolly. Fair. Yeah, so maybe like just a fresh set of lollies or a jar of chalky, somewhere along those lines, and then like a huge bottle of whiskey. One time when I like offended him because I thought that like may have had a crush on him or something. Like I just gave him that. <laughs> mm, fair, yeah. I imagine an Alcanzar, a large bottle of whiskey will cover most debts. <laughs> yeah, especially if it's a good one. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. So I need to do a thing. I I met someone earlier, oh, and I need to have you. a conversation. Not 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 like that. Not. Oh. I wasn't having Zumba practice when I was gone. Let's just say that. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know There's what? There's room for it. Oh God. <laughs> oh no! Is that Aldo? <laughs> oh, they're going out and again. Aldo and Arma again. Hey, we saw you from across the bar, and we really like your vibes. <laughs> <laughs> you say to the polyamorous man. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I and turn is Hal in earshot slash listening in. Oh, well, let's ask. Like how you? I know you're focused with Syl in your lap and playing, but mm-hmm. you could probably hear most of what's been going on. I imagine. Probably, I'm just looking around, listening. You two step out yeah. back with me. There's there's someone who I want you to meet, assuming they want to meet you. All right. right. It's complicated. All right. You know. Oh, this is exciting. Let's go. Come on, Laurie. Has Syl tried to eat the throw up yet? <laughs> oh god. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Licking at the oyster. And once again, this dog is in mortal peril. Welcome to Outlaws Docking Star. So we go, I guess like out back, somewhere that is secluded, somewhere there's not a lot of people, somewhere people aren't going to watch. Okay. Um, get there. Yeah, this side, uh, this is like the Ostrati Heights kind of area of smoke side. Um, so there's definitely sort of probably pockets and areas that you could find. Like a these these buildings are nice enough. They probably have like kind of private living spaces that are shared in the middle of like four buildings. Right. So you could probably go someplace. There's no like actual like foliage, but you have like metal sculptures of trees and such here. Yeah, there's a place. All right. Go there. Make sure no one's around. Kijak, if you can hear me, I'm ready. Is your dad named Kijak? Uh, no, no. Also, you might want to hold Sill. <laughs> so, um,. There is, like, Kijog does sort of, like, um, kind of step out from behind one of these, like, metal sculpture trees with, like, the jagged, sharp, like, leaves. And just kind of, like, looks around this place and goes, 
where are we? Home for now. Are these... Are these the friends you told me about? Yes, yes. This is Anita, and this is Halbrant, and this is Syl. I like this one. And, like, kind of, like, walks up, and you watch as, like, Kijag is, like, sniffing Hal. I like this one. I will start sniffing back. <laughs> well... <laughs> The, f- the funny thing is, like, Hal and Anita, you see nothing. This is a one-sided conversation. This is all, mm. like, you, you you do not see or hear anything Kijak's thing. All you hear is Saruk's half of this sort of, like, conversation. <laughs> um, and then Kijak goes over to, like, Anita and sniffs. Not so sure about this one. I don't think they can see you, judging by the looks on their faces as I say this into the air. Is there anything you can do about that? I could. But why? Seeing is believing. I'm going to be working with these people for the foreseeable future, and I would like it if they did not think that I was losing my marbles. Here, if you don't want to show yourself, I'll, I pull the bag that holds my ammo, set it on the table. Can you pick this up, move it, anything like that? Are you here? Give us a sign. <laughs> Going back to Phasmophobia. I, I think, um, like, um, what he does is he, like, looks at them, looks at you before he reveals himself. And he, he does ask, like, will they be your witnesses? Are you taking your oath? Sure. Am I reading the situation correctly? Oh, uh, if turning back to the pair of them. So when I was gone earlier, I met with a former servant of the Jagua, given everything that we're going to get up to. I I feel a certain calling. Would the pair of you mind witnessing a thing, holding me accountable? I'd say I'd feed you after, but I've fed you before, so... Oh, it's like a wet. Yeah, it works for me. Yeah. You heard him, Kijak. As he kind of introduces that and, and tells you that, you do see sort of a spectral jaguar made of, like, kind of sparkly lights and, like, impossibly deep spots that just move in a way that's kind of hard for your brain to sort of piece together something otherworldly you do see this sort of jaguar kind of like sitting on the ground behind Saruk he's not crazy well a little maybe but but I'm not hallucinating am I hallucinating I don't know how many of those oysters did you eat (laughs) I mean I'm not much into fish uh, or any kind of shellfish or I usually just eat just lizard tails keeps me going Mm. so none probably for the best Saruk in front of your friends that are here to bear witness to your oath to Majagwa in this life and beyond are you sure you have what it takes to bear the title of the Emerald Jaguar, like so many before you have. I am. 
let's assemble this armor. And uh, he tells you to kind of get all the pieces like kind of lined up and ready to go. Out comes the bag, out they get put where they need to be and stuff. Do you swear to act with honor, never taking advantage of others, lying or cheating? I do. Do you swear to respect the lawful authority of any legitimate leadership wherever you go and follow its laws? I do. Most importantly, will you protect others from bondage, from threats they cannot handle themselves? and especially from the unjust laws that are imposed upon them. With all of my heart. Rise, Saruk, 11th Emerald Jaguar, Paladin of Kazutul, Protector of the people. I shall be watching. And with that, you kind of watch as the spectral tiger kind of like disappears into nothing. And then where the glitter was, it kind of like floats up and kind of like the two jaguar eyes in your helmet sort of sparkle with this spirit for just a moment before like fading. And you feel a sort of divine spark deep within you, Saruk, um, for the first time. The blessings of Majagwa are so powerful that they get around the laws of the mana waste. I guess I won't need bacon grease after all. <laughs> it does feel semi-suppressed, like contained. Something around her is sort of weighing down on you, but you can still, even through that suppression, feel it in your soul. Like there is a power within you that was not there before. Thank you, both of you. Oh, of course. You know, uh, I thought you were... Good and honorable orc. Uh, sounds like, I mean, this makes it official. Is this your first time bonding with the deity? More or less, yeah. It's back home at work. The teachings of Bajagwa are pretty part and parcel for the things that we do. But no, I never forswore any oaths. Honestly, I mostly did desk work, but here we are. Yeah, kind of aligns with... The person I'd look towards, Tanagar. Mm, yes, the Oral and I. Yeah, we're uh, kind of bonded in a similar fashion, so it's good to see. I mean, it's good to see to make it official, of course. Congratulations on the wedding. That's... Thank you. I think there's also... Um, you feel like this armor is connected to you more than just a suit of armor normally is there's a bond a direct connection between your sort of divine spark and this armor and you feel like you could almost instinctively tap into it as a sort of interact action if you'd like to interact with that and so I do yeah and and so as you kind of reach into that thing there's like a sort of it kind of looks like that Power Rangers uh, morphin time where like the armor like goes over Saruk, but in reverse and like you watch is like, yeah, the armor sort of like folds up into itself, up his arms, up the legs, 
folds in, the helmet sort of like opens backwards and like reverse swallows his face. And the whole thing sort of magically swirls back into a small, unassuming jaguar round gold pendant that hangs on a chain at your neck, Saruk. And that like heavy weight of the armor is gone in this charm of yours. I feel the need to ask, do you want me to roll for Wellspring magic? No, I think I think we're okay in this, yeah. I don't have a the violent personality shift. Saruk <laughs> 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 smash. Actually, only <laughs> violence. Too many oysters. Blood for the blood god. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, we are we are okay in this um, thing, but the the sort of you have the power to summon and re, you know mighty morphin power ranger you gotta pull the hamlet off say it's morphin time and hold it out every time no i'm just kidding but it's initiative time <laughs> right but uh you do have the ability to to call and this emerald jaguar title is more it's, it's a title it's a connection with you know majagua it's it's a connection with your god your goddess that goes beyond like normal thing it's not just a suit of armor you've inherited it's it's a responsibility congratulations i'm assuming that this is a huge thing yeah yeah it it carries a lot of weight i i'm going to have to speak more loudly if refi wants to hurt people without cause now but i should have been doing that in the first place so here we are mm, i will bear witness to that exchange yeah I think you might maybe y'all should just like get together and hug or at least have a conversation about it before we're knee deep in fungi uh, of the red and green and various colors and you guys just have a you know conversation Uh, I will be at the bar and Anita can be the mediator and y'all let me know how it goes I was hoping to do that tonight but um I could I'll let him come to me. Yeah. It'll come in time. I don't want to push it on him. Just don't want it to happen. <laughs> While we are being shot at. At the worst possible time. Yeah, no, that's yeah. fair. again. Yeah. In mechanic sense, you've only spent half your day of downtime making one check. Theoretically, those of you who are not crafting like Anita is, have an ability to make a second scouting check or anything else you'd like to do, or just mechanically let it let it slide. Um, yeah, why not? I'll huck another society check at it. Okay. What else have people heard about it? 21. 21. 21's a success, so take another success point. That's two for you, six for the group in total. You hear, like, one of the uh, one of the people, they're like, one more payment. Just one more. That's what Muglin says every week. And then he comes back the next week and says, hmm. <laughs> compounding interest. I'll never dig my way out of this hole. I would probably not had, like have a conversation, but I would probably approach where we're supposed to go at night and take my dog with me and just head out and scout some more routes. So do you want to, you can make that into a survival check. You can make that into a perception check. Um, you know. Let's do perception. Sure, let's do perception this time. That's alright. Yep. Uh, 10. I'm going to use my hero point. Use them hero points. 
three into a Another three. three. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you, Will Smith, for that wow. double three. So that's a failure in this case. You don't earn any new information or earn any preparation points with this section of downtime mechanically. But with the success of Saruk, you guys have as a group gone up to a six point threshold. So I can give you guys collectively one more sort of group information about the route. Um, The worst thing about your route that you've walked a few times now and it comes down to a place that the locals have referred to as bottleneck bridge. So there's a point where all of the roads and the construction that's going on have closed most of the roads connecting the the two areas um, where Gattleby's house is and where um, the Yeast of All Brewery is. And the only way to get through without going a huge detour around the entire lake in the middle of Smokeside, which is really out of your way, is over a place called the Bottleneck Bridge. And here at night, as you scout it out, you realize that the bridge has been closed down and the uh, shield marshals basically have a checkpoint and every single person that comes across the bridge is being inspected. All of their stuff that comes through here is being inspected by the shield marshals. So it's a problem in that this entire route hinges on this, this path over this bridge as the shortest distance between the two points. Um, and at night you've now realized it becomes a shield marshal checkpoint, uh, which would potentially be an issue if you were to try to smuggle Gattleby here at night. Uh, what you learn from the locals is during the day, it's more of an open marketplace, farmer's market type deal. So it's crowded because, hey, it's still the only way that people get through, but there's no shield marshals during the day that that lock it down. Um, so yeah, so Anita sort of, you, you have a long night of crafting ahead of you and you definitely got to get back to the crafting mechanically, but narratively, you can wander down to like Hellside. Um, you're slipping away from everyone on your own. I said bye to everyone. Yeah, you said bye to everyone. Like, Saruk or how how went off to do this thing. Saruk went off to do his scouting. So I guess Anita can slip away without needing to make any active checks in case someone wants to tail her. I don't know if Saruk would do that. But anyways, uh, you, you kind of go to the spot in Hellside and you see Refugule by himself staring past the Alkenstar Falls. Oh, it's always a fucking night going up here. Ah, I think it's I think it's kinda nice. I guess. So it's on your mind. <sighs> well Thought I'd do a bit of scouting, but uh somehow I ended up back here. Hmm. Eh, parties aren't aren't really my thing. Is it because there's too many people? First party that I ever thought I was going to. I was excited. Couldn't have been more than 11 not really sure about that age ah 
just excited as a boy could be. Got my best outfit on, did my hair, put my best jewelry on. And as I made my way downstairs, I heard the party going on. The music, the laughter, the, the revelry. And there he was on the staircase. My father. Asking where did I think that I was going. So I told him. I'm going to the party. And then I was picking myself up off the floor. And he told me under no certain terms that I would be seen in that company. So I went back. And I knew that parties weren't the place for me. Well, your father was an ass, but no one should say that to their kid, especially at 11. Do you remember the first time you found me here? Yeah. Could barely walk, so. Yeah, and then you mentioned that you were working for dangerous people. Right. I also said that you and Kojak were the first truly kind people that I've ever met. But I've met other people here in Hellside. Back when I was just a little urchin. One of them found me here and brought me there and I point towards the capital district. You asked me about those rumors. And for lack of a better term, I guess you could say it's true. Ambrose Mugland is my father. That's pretty big. I don't know who my real father is. Don't know if I have a family, how old I am. But Ambrose Muglin raised me. Trained me. Taught me to be the best of what I could do. And what I could do was kill people. No, you develop to be really good at killing people. You weren't born to be good at killing people. And I run my hand through my hair again. You know, speaking of, I think you and Saruk should talk to each other. You actually have a lot in common. Ah, <laughs> uh, Tusks. You know, when he f- when we first met him, I thought, here's another 
Here's another man who's so sure of himself. Who, underneath his facade of righteousness and good, I would find another rotten core. Just like the rest. Not so sure now. He's a good egg. Murphy. I just think... You know, he was brought up a certain way as well. But it's actually really surprising because... While I've only heard a couple from from your end of your childhood, I really do see that both of you are like two sides of the same coin. It, it's like seeing two two extremes. You're on one side of, of an extreme, and he's on another side of an extreme. And then Hal and I are just standing there. I don't know if me and Tusks will ever see eye to eye. But, uh... Maybe what he's looking at... is better than what I've had my eyes on. You know what? I think that one of the things that you're afraid that he might judge you on... he really wouldn't. 